Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It offers flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business. You can also earn up to $395 in annual statement credits on eligible purchases at select business merchants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. With Fidelity Wealth Management, a dedicated advisor can work with you on a comprehensive plan to help you reach your wealth's full potential. Plus, you'll have access to specialists in estate planning strategies. So you're not just growing and protecting your wealth, you're sharing it. More at fidelity.com slash wealth. Investment minimums apply. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSE SIPC. Welcome to the Jill on Money podcast. It's Wednesday, January 13th, and we are here to try to take the mystery out of your financial life. We are here to try to help you make better financial decisions. Send us an email, askjill at jillonmoney.com. That's what AJ did. He writes, my wife and I have been retired for many years. During our work time, we both invested in traditional IRAs. When the Roth IRA came along, it was too late for us. However, This past year, there was no required minimum distribution for our IRAs, and I considered that if we converted our traditional IRAs to Roth, the tax impact could be equivalent to the impact of the required minimum distribution. If the same situation arises this year, your assistance is requested as how I can calculate this impact. They've got 660 grand in both IRAs. My understanding that you can't withdraw from a Roth without penalty until five years after the account is established. Okay. Hold on a second. All right. So we are conflating a few things here. Number one is the way to calculate, just for everyone listening, here's how you calculate what a conversion is. Whatever amount you convert just gets added to your income. So AJ, if you are both collecting social security, whatever amount you actually convert just gets popped into as if another stream of income into your total adjusted gross income. So for example, If for, you know, we said that you wanted to convert both of these IRAs at once, you would pop yourselves into the 37% tax bracket. We wouldn't want to do that. So I need to know a little bit more information before I can counsel you, but I think you might be making an assumption about the conversion versus the actual putting money into a brand new Roth IRA. I don't know if this makes sense for you. You'd have to have money to pay the tax due from a money outside of the account. So uh, send us some more information. Okay. John writes, I know you've discussed managed versus index funds, but I'm in the process of moving to an index fund portfolio. And I've got a few questions before I make the jump. My husband and I are in our late 30s, one kid, one on the way. We max out 401ks. We've got 529 account for our son. We make about 350 to 400 grand a year, depending on bonuses. I have $870,000 in an actively managed fund, about 580,000 in a brokerage, 290 in an IRA. I've been with the firm for five years. We've met with the financial planner to check our savings. But other than that, I just send them money every once in a while and they purchase a few new stocks. Fee is 1% portfolio of individual stocks. I've convinced myself moving to index funds is the right move to increase our earnings and have an opened an account with Vanguard. Can I just make one little um, edit to that? The move to index funds will not increase your earnings necessarily. It will reduce your fees. 
Okay. So what you'll find is that instead of paying a 1% fee, that 1% will actually fall to your bottom line. You know, that's how you should think about it. I'm reducing my fees. Oh yes. And that money goes to me. It doesn't mean that like, oh, I increase my return necessarily because if you screw yourself up, you know, it'll be a problem. Questions. At the end of the day, our retirement portfolio will be fairly large. Any benefit for higher value portfolios in actively managed funds? No, none, except that you save more money. How about that? I'm considering doing a split between the total index, international index, and bond funds. Is that too simple? No, it's not too simple. I might throw a small company fund in there also. So you would have a a total stock market index, an international, a bond fund. I would probably put a small cap fund in there. Maybe I would throw a real estate fund in there. That's about it. Okay. I know I'll need to rebalance the fund every year or so on my own. Is there anything else I'm signing up for by doing this on my own? I'm planning on finding an advisor we can meet with once a year or so to check in. Thanks. Any help would be appreciated. There's nothing else that you're signing up for except the burden is on you. Do not screw it up. No, I'm just kidding. But it is a little bit of a burden. Some people have said that one of the best reasons to have a financial advisor in general is to prevent you from doing something stupid. Okay. So I think that the big burden that you are assuming in that 1% of years, it's on you and you and your husband should be on the same page. You should make sure you discuss the allocation. You know, I'm not even so sure you need, who knows if you need a retirement, I mean, um, an advisor for anything else. You can check in with us every year or so. We'll be happy to look at it. But unless you've got a big planning question, you may not want to pay for a plan. Or you might want to look at a a financial advisory firm that does a more middle road kind of fee structure where you're not paying that straight 1%, whether it's hourly, uh, whether it's uh, the guys at Facet Wealth who are now the sponsor of my radio show. You know, there's a lot of folks out there. So I don't think you're missing anything, but I think that that's certainly worth considering. Okay. Bridget writes, uh uh-oh, here's subject, managing a portfolio through a recession. Thank you for all you've done to help your audience navigate through financial concerns. I appreciate your advice and learn a lot listening to you answer other people's questions. I have two questions I was hoping you could advise me on. I'm anticipating retiring in six months. My partner's already retired. We're in our early 60s. I'm concerned we are going into a recession. Not great for starting retirement with a sad face. We have a balanced portfolio and can fund a number of years of retirement from bond funds and avoid selling equities in a down market. We would like to prepare our portfolio to minimize losses and considering we are considering moving our portfolio to a 20-80% mix. Okay. I I had like my, my, um, I had a little bout of indigestion as I read this. Hold on. Let me read it again. We would like to prepare our portfolio to minimize losses. First of all, this presumes, you know, that a recession is coming. And here's what I can tell you, Bridget, a recession is coming. I don't know when, and I wouldn't move your portfolio around for that. It sounds like you've got plenty of money that's already set aside, but your idea of going to a 2080, like 20 equity, 80% bond cash mixed, and then going back into 6040 is uh, wondering if this idea is crazy or ingenious. It's crazy. That's what it is because this is market timing and this is not what you do. What you do is you build a portfolio that can withstand ups and downs. It sounds like you already have a plenty of money in your bond funds. It would avoid selling equities. And by the way, 
Bonds are paying bupkis right now. So the idea of going to a 2080 hybrid mix could really be a dumb decision over the longer term. And then by the time when you say, oh, I'm going to go back to my 60-40 mix, you are, you think you know, when are you going to do that? So no, don't do that. Let's get to the second question. Maybe we'll be, maybe we'll get that one without saying that that's a crazy or stupid idea. Second question, 401k. The Fidelity rep where my account is held is guiding me to roll it to an IRA at Fidelity. Mark, isn't that shocking that someone at Fidelity who represents Fidelity said that she should roll her 401k into an IRA at Fidelity? It's amazing. The 401k has done fine for me. There are a number of low-cost funds to choose from, and I feel professionals at my company have vetted those funds in order to include them. The rep shared a list of no-cost Fidelity funds among the myriad of choices I've had. It. I'm thinking of keeping the 401k. Am I missing something? No. That one I agree with. Keep it where it is. Don't worry about it. Okay, here we go. Oh my God, there's boxes. There's a lot going on here, Mark, in this email. Dear Jill and Mark, uh, I've got a couple different questions. The first is whether we should upgrade homes or whether we should use the money to invest instead. I can almost tell you right now that I'm going to say invest instead. Okay, here's the situation. This is Virginia. Um, we have a mortgage of $385,000. The house is worth eight fifty. We are considering selling the home and using the proceeds as a down payment on the dream home. We all, I don't know who all is, we all love a home that's for sale. It's for sale at $1.2 million. So they got an eight fifty, and they want to up go up to $1.2. It's double the space, recent build. I'm hesitant to make the leap, especially when I factor in annual property taxes, 30 Gs a year. Hello. Family of four. Um, husband is age 49, makes 92000 I make 200000 Okay. So they've got their house. They've got two investment properties. They've got 401ks pension that's due, some non-retirement savings, some 529 liabilities. Are you kidding me? Pool loan, 40 grand. I see that you have a, you have a bro two brokerage accounts and a savings account, which total $90,000. So let me be clear, pay off that credit card debt immediately, blow out whatever you have in your brokerage account and pay off your pool loan, depending on what the cost of that is, but probably pay that off. Okay. Questions. Can we afford to buy the $1.2 million home? I estimate it'll be $6,000 per month. Should I instead find another rental property? Should I invest in a brokerage and wait for it to grow to have more options, less stress? Our monthly expenses are 10 grand for all. Thank you. I think that if I, if you said to me, I'm doing this no matter what, tell me the best way to do it, you could figure out a way to do it. I think it's nuts to do it because you're putting a lot of pressure on yourself and you guys make good money. But you know what? You got an $850,000 house. You're asking for a lot more stress in your life. And even if you can afford this house, it really does create a certain amount of stress to have a much bigger nut. Okay. And this is me. So then now you're asking me my personal opinion. And the, the problem with this is that <laughs> for me, at least, I'm all about lower stress, even if it means less spending. I really am. And uh, this may go back to my roots. Mark, you know, when I first was in New York, I had a studio apartment on the Upper East Side and it was rent stabilized. It was a 600 square foot apartment and it was, uh, I think it was five, no, $600 a month, actually. That's what it was. So in a big doorman building. 
And uh, my then boyfriend, dope that he was, said, well, you could afford such a much better apartment. And I was like, but it's 600 bucks a month. So when I have a bad month trading, I don't have to worry about it. That's how I think about it. It's low stress. So I always choose, choose low stress. Ian writes, my 16-year-old son announced he wanted to get rich in the stock market. I want you to know he is the laziest person on the planet. He wouldn't get off the couch if it were on fire. But I told him if he was serious about investing, he should educate himself on the basics. Can you recommend a book for lazy teens that might give a basic understanding of how investing works? Not a fan of the dummy series of books. Sincerely, Ian. Ian, I have a book for you. I love that. First of all, I love this, that he's like the laziest kid. Every, every parent of a teenage boy has told me some permutation of that, by the way. You know, I'm going to start you with my friend, Jack Otter, and his book is called Worth It, Not Worth It, Simple and Profitable Answers to Life's Tough Financial Questions. That's your gateway. Let's see if he gets through this. If he gets through that book, then we'll give you another one. Deal? Excellent. All right. Another fantastic episode. We are so happy you joined us. As always, if you have a financial question, do not forget to send us an email. Ask Jill at jillonmoney.com. You can subscribe to this podcast wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Send it along. We are actively seeking to increase our listenership. And if you don't mind, to start the year off on the right foot, would you please give us a rating and review? Hey, Mark, did we fit, did we actually reach your goal for the end of 2020? Okay, Mark's had set a goal of having a thousand reviews on Apple. Now that was the 2020 goal. Don't you think we should try to get? How many should we try to get this year? Okay, he wants two thousand rating or reviews, and uh, if you would do that, you'd make his year. His bonus is going to depend on it. It's not, but I just thought I would say that just for fun. Okay. <laughs> leave a rating, leave a review. Thank you for everything. Thanks for you guys taking the time to listen. Thank you for taking the time to write to us. We are here for you. It's going to be a long winter. We're in it together, gang. Wash your hands, wear your masks, maintain your physical distancing. Try to lift someone up today. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Tomorrow.